Hey there, it's me, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, that redheaded actor from Modern Family. I have a podcast. It's combining a couple of my favorite things, talking and food. Please join me as I dine with the biggest names in entertainment, people like Julie Bowen, Kristen Bell, Fred Armisen, and so many more. It's called Dinners on Me, and you're invited. Am I saying a chocolate souffle is going to get me to reveal all of my secrets? Yeah, I am. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. It's the end of week two in the House impeachment inquiry into President Trump's actions. Here are some news updates to keep you up to speed. The Washington Post reported this week that Trump involved Vice President Pence in efforts to pressure Ukraine's leader. Officials say that Pence was unaware of the allegations in the whistleblower complaint, despite the fact that one of the vice president's top advisors was on that July 25th phone call. On Thursday, Kurt Volker, who resigned last week as Trump's special envoy for Ukraine, was interviewed behind closed doors in front of three House committees. Volker was among the officials mentioned by name in the whistleblower's complaint, and he's the first witness to be interviewed in this probe. In that interview, Volker told House investigators that he warned Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, that Giuliani was receiving untrustworthy information from Ukrainian political figures about former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter. And Friday, the House Oversight Committee plans to subpoena the White House for documents it first requested on September 9th. Committee Chairman Elijah Cummings said that the White House is, quote, flagrant disregard of multiple voluntary requests for documents have left us with no choice but to issue this subpoena. If the White House does not comply, this could escalate to the courts. But among these new developments, one of the most notable moments came from the president himself. Speaking to a group of reporters on the White House lawn, Trump called on China. China should start an investigation into the Biden. Because what happened in China is just about as bad as what happened with uh, with Ukraine. So I would say that President Zelensky, if it were me, I would recommend that they start an investigation into the Bidens because nobody has any doubt that they weren't crooked. That was a crooked deal, 100 percent. Trump urged China to investigate Joe Biden and his son Hunter in relation to Hunter's business dealings while Joe was vice president. Trump said this despite an impeachment inquiry into his request that the Ukrainian president open a similar investigation. The comments prompted concerns about the president seeming to openly invite foreign interference in U.S. elections. And it resurfaced a critical question. Where are the legal and ethical lines drawn when it comes to a president asking a foreign government for political help? This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. I'm Allison Michaels. On today's episode, The Post's senior political reporter, Aaron Blake, explains what makes Trump's request of China different from that of Ukraine. He explains where federal election law comes in and where the founders of our country stood on foreign interference in our government. But first, I asked Aaron to start at the beginning, back to Trump on the White House lawn. Well, first of all, he was talking about the trade war with China, and then he was asked about his comments to the president of Ukraine in that uh, phone call on July 25th. 
he addressed the question about Ukraine, and then he also suggested that he would like to see China launch some sort of investigation involving the Bidens. He said, and by the way, likewise, China should start an investigation into the Bidens because what happened in China is just as bad as what happened with Ukraine. This is the first time that he has spoken publicly about the idea that China should also be investigating the Bidens. Do we know what Trump is referring to? It's not very clear. He talked about the idea that Hunter Biden had uh, been hired by a company with ties to China and how he had been kicked out of the Navy. And then he mentioned something about Hunter Biden apparently getting, quote unquote, billions of dollars. Uh, he called it a payoff. Uh, the president has alluded in, at several junctures to China when he's been talking about Ukraine, but he's never really given his in entire full theory about what he thinks might have happened with the Bidens in China. And it's still not clear exactly what he actually wants the Chinese to be investigating. Okay. And at this point, do we have any evidence that would support an investigation by China into Joe Biden and his family? The evidence that there was something untoward going on in Ukraine is already tenuous. The idea that there is something going on with China and the Bidens, uh, there is even less uh, evidence for that. That you know, at least with Ukraine, Ukraine, it's somewhat circumstantial. We know he was working. We know Joe Biden was applying pressure on Ukraine. With China, there's just not anything to go on right now for us to believe that there's really something that's uh, that's worthy of, or or uh, even has the potential for an investigation. Really. So, given that, do we have any insight into where Trump gets his information about the Biden family? Where do, where do these accusations stem from? A lot of these accusations tend to float around on somewhat dark corners of the internet and eventually work their way into somewhat more of the mainstream, uh, generally through conservative media outlets or through people near the president who may be consuming them. Uh, Rudy Giuliani in particular is is been reported in recent days to have been looking into a number of these kinds of conspiracy theories as he's been pursuing certain investigations involving the president's uh, political future. So you've compared Ukraine, the incidents surrounding Ukraine, and what we're seeing now, Trump making this call to China to, to investigate the Biden family. These incidences seem really similar. Can you explain what the key differences are? So the big difference is, one, uh, how brazen it is. Uh, I think if we think back to the 2016 election, there was that moment in, in July of 2016 where the president was asked about the allegations that Russia was interfering in the U.S. election. And he said, Russia, if you're listening, can you find Hillary Clinton's uh, missing emails? Uh, the Trump campaign after that and President Trump himself said that was a joke. Then we had the Ukraine thing, which obviously came out after a series of apparent attempts to bury it by the White House. The Justice Department downgraded the level of concern from the whistleblower complaint. The White House clearly didn't want that to get out. Eventually, it had to come out. In this case, we have the president not only saying it publicly and in a very obviously non-joking fashion, uh, but he's basically doing exactly what he did on that Ukraine phone call but just saying it out loud rather than waiting for all of us to find it several months later. And for the record, a reporter did ask Trump if he had, in fact, up until this point, directly asked Chinese President Xi Jinping to investigate the Bidens. And, and Trump said that he hasn't done so. Right. And I think it's also important to note, and this is something that the Trump supporters in the White House will point out, the president didn't say, China, if you're listening, Xi Jinping, can you please do this for me? He said instead, I think China should be doing this. 
Does Trump have certain unique leverage over China in any way? Yeah, I think what makes this arguably even more problematic than the request of Ukraine is uh, the fact that we are engaged in a trade war with China right now. Uh, a trade war has extremely high stakes, higher even than the hundreds of millions of dollars in foreign aid that the Trump administration was withholding from Ukraine, uh, certainly higher than the uh, presidential meeting that Ukraine was seeking that uh, reports indicate was being withheld and could have served as leverage in that circumstance. With China, we are in a, a trade war that is ratcheting up, uh, that they're trying to cut a deal on. And so to the extent that China views a potential action involving an investigation of the Bidens as potentially having bearing on what comes of that trade war, uh, that's really mixing the personal business, arguably, with political business. And if it ever came to a day where China actually did something to the effect of what Trump's asking for, and we did see some kind of a deal in the trade war, how are you necessarily going to be able to separate those two things? There will be suspicions that maybe the deal was slightly more favorable to China uh, because of what they did that could help the president. Um, there's a lot of ifs built into that, but certainly just going down this road and being involved in such a high stakes trade conflict with China will invite all sorts of suspicions. And it's ultimately those suspicions that are driving the impeachment inquiry into Trump, right? You have the idea that perhaps the president used the office of the presidency and the power that comes with that office to in the case of Ukraine, potentially make an ask of of an investigation into Biden's, and in the case of China, perhaps the same thing. It's really that leverage that it comes down to. Right. And and if, if that leverage didn't exist, if these were two completely equal countries that were dealing with one another and the president just asked for some assistance with something, it may not be so bad. We've seen in recent days that Trump is asking uh, and, and Attorney General William Barr are asking Australia and Italy uh, and Great Britain to basically cooperate to some degree in an American investigation involving the origins of the Russia probe. Um, and that's less problematic because uh, it's not necessarily something that's being leveraged, at least as far as we can tell. I think what makes this particularly brazen from President Trump uh, is that, you know, obviously this came just as the impeachment inquiry was getting off the ground. I think I saw somebody on Twitter comparing it to the idea that Bill Clinton would go out on the White House lawn, uh, you know, during the, his whole impeachment inquiry and talk about how he wanted to have a date with Monica Lewinsky. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a, you know, there there are problems with that metaphor, but it's not all that uh, far off the mark. Problems with a metaphor on Twitter? Impossible. <laughs> but, but to understand why this is so brazen and sort of why this is problematic, what does the Federal Election Commission law say about accepting election assistance from a foreign national? Federal law says it is illegal to, quote, solicit, accept, or receive a contribution or donation uh, that is from a foreign national, either indirectly or directly. Essentially, what that means is you can't ask for them to do something that is directly helping you in an election. A lot of People, uh, especially President Trump's opponents, see this as an obvious uh, example of him doing exactly that, soliciting foreign interference. Uh, but there are a number of reasons why it may not technically be a legal violation. Um, the question is whether he's actually soliciting interference. Uh, his argument has always been that this is about corruption, that he wants to see these countries root out this corruption. Um, at the same time, the investigations he's asking for 
all happen to have a direct bearing on his political stand, uh, standing in this country, um, especially the ones involving the Bidens. The other uh, sticking point here with the law is whether it is considered to be a thing of value. The Mueller report actually dealt with this to some degree when it came to Donald Trump Jr.'s meeting at Trump Tower with a Russian lawyer who had been offering dirt on Hillary Clinton. Um, Robert Mueller decided not to prosecute Donald Trump Jr. for that for two reasons. One, because he couldn't deduce whether Trump Jr. was actually uh, knowledgeable about the law and knew what he was doing could be wrong. And two was whether he actually got anything, quote, of, of value out of that meeting. Everybody who was in the meeting basically said it was a bust. There wasn't actually any good dirt on Hillary Clinton that came out of it. And so he chose not to prosecute. I think one thing that's slightly different about this now, at least uh, as we've been moving from Russia in 2016 to Ukraine and now to China, is it is going to be harder for Trump to argue that he did, doesn't know that this could be, potentially be problematic uh, in the same way Mueller gave Donald Trump Jr. the benefit of the doubt on that. Does it matter that Trump was asking for, by this law that Trump was asking for a thing of value or perhaps a thing of value, but may or may not have gotten that? As far as we know, the Ukrainian government has not investigated. Right. That's another key element here. Uh, the law appears to state that regardless of whether the thing of value is actually delivered or not, it is illegal to solicit it. So if, if the law, if the government decides that uh, these investigations of the Bidens would constitute something of value in an election, uh, it would not matter whether that actually came to fruition. The problem is deciding whether that is actually a thing of value. There is not a clear definition of that. Uh, there are legal experts who suggest it is problematic to cast a wide net when it comes to declaring things to be of value, especially when that means if you're a candidate for office and you get any kind of a tip or advice from somebody who might be a foreign national, that could uh, potentially run afoul of the law. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. Beyond campaign finance law, can you just lay out why Trump's suggestions are problematic? Well, this is actually something that has concerned American political leaders from the very founding of our country. Um, Alexander Hamilton in Federalist Number 68 said that uh, the desire of foreign powers to gain an improper ascendant in our councils was a source of corruption in one of the most deadly adversaries of Republican government. Uh, John Adams in 1787 in a letter said, as often as elections happen, the dangers of foreign influence recurs. And George Washington, when he was leaving office, said, uh, against the insidious wiles of foreign influence, the jealousy of a free people ought to be constantly awake, since history and experience prove that foreign influence is one of the most baneful foes of Republican government. So this is something that our, our country was founded upon uh, combating, and they warned that this was really uh, one of the most insidious things that could happen in American government. So whether or not you think what the president is doing is a big deal, this is obviously something that uh, our country's founders felt was a very high stakes issue. Okay, given all of that, then how have congressional Democrats responded to these comments from Trump about China? 
Well, they're basically arguing that this proves that he is intending to uh, violate the law and that he is not at all um, chastened by their impeachment inquiry. Um, you know, this is something that Republicans used to, regardless of what they felt about Donald Trump, they were pretty strong on the idea that foreign interference in election is not allowed. Um, you know, even after the president in June of this year went on ABC News and talked about how if somebody was offering him dirt in the election, he, he said, I think I'd want to hear it. Uh, that drew a rebuke from even some top allies like Lindsey Graham, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. The, the commentary from Republicans about Ukraine and now about China has been much more muted. Democrats are really driving this. Um, but I think the fact that Republicans aren't more forcefully defending the president also reflects the fact that they are uneasy about this and don't like where it's headed. And what about Joe Biden? Has he weighed in on this? Joe Biden has been somewhat silent on this. I, I think that regardless of how flimsy the allegations are and how little evidence they're based upon, uh, in the case of Ukraine. Um, the fact remains that Joe Biden's son got a job in Ukraine that uh, he didn't have terribly good qualifications for. It was very lucrative for him. Um, I don't think that the story necessarily is one that is helping Joe Biden and the polls suggest as much. Uh, uh, there was a poll this week that showed a plurality of people actually believe that he uh, applied pressure on the Ukraine prosecutor not to investigate his son, which isn't what the evidence shows at all. Um, so I don't think this is necessarily something that Joe Biden wants to talk about. But uh, to some degree or another, the president is talking about it. There is an impeachment inquiry focused upon it. Um, there's not really anything that Vice President uh, Biden can do besides uh, try to make the best of it. All right. So meanwhile, this comes on the backdrop of movement in the impeachment inquiry in the House. The special envoy to Ukraine was deposed on the Hill on Thursday. What developments can we expect in the next few days from the Hill? The big question, especially from Ambassador Volker and some of the coming depositions that we're going to see, including next week when the former ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Ivanovich, uh, is deposed, is how much of a potential uh, leveraging might have been happening behind the scenes. Uh, there is a perception that the president might have been using foreign aid for leverage. There is a perception that he might have been withholding a meeting with the Ukrainian president for leverage. Um, I believe Ambassador Volker has shed at least some light, according to our reporting, on the latter. And we're starting to see some documentation that suggests that maybe there was at least a perception in the government that these moves were being taken in order to apply pressure. Whether that was actually the case or there was an explicit quid pro quo uh, is another matter. But I think if to the extent that people think uh, and they tell congressional investigators that it was understood what was happening here, it's going to be more difficult for the White House to climb out from underneath this. And does Trump's urging of China to investigate the Bidens change the trajectory of this impeachment inquiry in any way? I think that there's less concrete to deal with when it comes to China, at least right now, because there's not uh, at least an extensive effort that we know about at this point. In the case of Ukraine, there are many people who are on that phone call uh, there are meetings with uh, the, the president of Ukraine that involved the vice president. The ambassador was was involved. Rudy Giuliani is involved. Uh, there's a whole bunch of documents that are flowing right now. With China, as far as we know right now, there is just this one offhand comment from the president. At the same time, rhetorically speaking, if you're the Democrats, you can now make a stronger argument that the president is trying to 
solicit foreign interference in an American election. And you can now argue, I think, more persuasively that this is clearly an effort that is geared towards helping President Trump in his 2020 reelection campaign. Aaron, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? And now that the week has ended, we want your feedback on these impeachment episodes. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to see more of. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Allison Mikes, or you can send me an email at allison.michaels at washpost.com. Thanks for listening. Can He Do That is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by Carol Alderman with extra help this week from Jessica Stahl, design help from Kat Rudell-Brooks, logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat. Available now. 